0: if you would grab your Bible. Turn to Hebrews chapter number 4. I feel like it's been forever since we were able to study together. Uh, We have dealt with sickness. We've dealt with with floods here. I tell you, it ain't just easy to just come to church at Riverside. Amen. Either the preacher gets sick or the road gets flooded or there's a pandemic. Come on. Come on, somebody. But this morning, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter number 4. Per our always, the steady study of God's holy word, we do it exegesis style, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And today will be no different. This morning, the reason you're using your Bible and not a self-help book or something from the New York Times bestseller is because we choose to believe the Bible because it is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They report supernatural events that took place and fulfillment of a prophecy. They are divine, not human in origin. We here at Riverside believe in sola scriptura, a Latin phrase. That means the Bible and the Bible alone. We also believe in sola fide. It's a Latin phrase that means faith and faith alone. And this morning we believe in sola Christus, a Latin phrase. Of course, that means Christ in Christ alone. We also believe in sola gracia, a Latin phrase that means grace in grace alone. Oh, that's one of my favorites, amen. And this morning it all culminates with a big bow on top. It's sola Deo gloria, a Latin phrase. That means for God's glory and His glory alone. The preaching today will be for His glory. The sermon is for His glory. The singing was for His glory. The gathering together today was His glory this morning. So if you would open up to Hebrews chapter number 4 as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. Jesus was greater than Moses in chapter number 3. We saw how Jesus is an apostle and a high priest to the Gentile who's been converted to Christianity from a pagan background. There's no higher office in the church of God than an apostle. Someone who's sent by God to preach the Word of God to the people of God. But to a Jew, a high priest is the highest authority in the Jewish worship system and Jesus being our apostle and our high peace priest. There's no, man, no one going around Jesus. You don't speak to Jesus as manager. It's Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. And if you like talking about Jesus, praying to Jesus, singing about Jesus, you're in the right place this morning. Amen. And we see how he's our apostle and our high priest. We see in chapter number 3 that he is the rest for God's people. That we find rest for him. But the author of Hebrews, some say it's Apollos. I personally believe that it's, the actual author is Paul. But either way, the penman of the flesh who wrote the, the parchment doesn't matter. It's God who is the author. First Timothy tells us that Scripture is given by God for reproof and training and righteousness. So these are the very words of God. We see that the Old Testament tells us that in the day of Moses that the people needed to enter the rest of Canaan land. But they would not believe. Chapter number 3 deals with unbelief. People who had no faith in God, even though He did miraculous, wonderful works in His name to proclaim His name, but people still would not believe. But we see in chapter number 4 that the author repeats himself. Why does he repeat himself? Because unbelief, unbelief is a cancer. Unbelief is the very thing that will send you to hell. Unbelief is the one thing that God will not forgive you of. What? Yes, unbelief. He'll forgive people who've had abortions. He'll forgive people who are unfaithful in the marriage. He'll forgive homosexuals. He'll forgive liars and thieves and murderers. He'll forgive blasphemers, idol worshipers. He'll forgive people who dishonor the Sabbath day. He'll forgive thieves. He forgives sinners. But He won't forgive unbelief. When He stands there and opens His arms, grace and mercy, and you don't believe Him and you don't trust Him. That's what the warnings here we find in chapter number 4. I do hope you have a copy of God's Holy Word as we study it together. In verse number 1 of Hebrews number 4, Therefore, While the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should have failed to reach it. He's already said that God swore Him in His wrath that those people will not enter in His rest because of unbelief found in Psalms 95. He's basically running a commentary of what the Old Testament says. He's bridging the gap between the Old and the New Testament. Yes, they heard the Gospel in the Old Testament. No, they didn't see it as clearly as we do. For in ancient times, they would take a piece of metal, polish it down, and they would use those for mirrors. This morning, as you looked in the mirror, you probably had a very nice mirror some of y'all didn't. I ain't going to look at you. But you you had a mirror and you could see where your blemishes were. The Old, old Testament, we saw where they, they had a dim mirror. They couldn't see all the details. They couldn't tell all the blemishes as clearly as we could. They heard the Gospel, but not as clearly as we did. And they didn't believe it then. But there's people today who don't believe it now. He says the promise to enter His rest still stands. God gives His people rest, y'all. Well, what you mean? I'm tired. I worked late last night. I had a rough week. I'm not talking physical. I'm talking spiritual. He said it still stands, but let us fear lest any one of us should fail to reach it. How do you reach it? How do you find this rest? How do you find this peace. Oh, if you got enough money, you can buy a big house. You can buy a nice car. You can find any kind of drug to go through your veins to make your eyes roll back in the back of your head. You can drink enough to go in and just wreck your liver until you fall into a coma. But those things aren't what bring peace. Even having a big family won't bring peace. A lot of times it'll be the thing that takes your peace. Amen, somebody. Uh, Material things won't bring you peace. Amen. Working your fingers to the bone won't bring you peace. You can have a big house and a nice car. Your grave will still be six foot deep. Amen. You can have a gold coffin, but you're still dead. Amen. Amen. So where do you find this peace? Where do you find this rest? When I get to be 65, I'm going to retire. I'm going to go bass fishing every day. I'm going to crochet. I'm going to sit on my porch and swing. And I'm going to retire. For most of the people I've heard about retirement, it's boring. And they cannot find peace. It's not all what they thought it would be. So where is this peace? I can't wait to marry my love of my life. I'll finally be at peace. (laughs) Everybody who's married, try not to laugh too loud. God can't take, you can't take two sinners and put them in a house and let them live in holy matrimony without Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's no peace found there, there's no rest. And here he says that you failed to reach it, that we should stand fast. In verse number two, for the good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because. They were not united by faith with those who listened. Not only did they hear the Gospel in the Old Testament, they heard that God is faithful, that He would shepherd His people. They heard all those things, but they just didn't believe it. When they were in a dry and parched land, they complained before they prayed. Ooh, Did, did you hear the preacher? Uh, that's worth repeating. You can go ahead and scribble that down. They complained before they prayed. Lord, I'm thirsty. And they didn't say, Lord. They said, Moses, it's your fault. I'm thirsty. Instead of crying out to God, the one who opens His hands and feeds and quenches the thirst of every living thing. And what about you, believer? Do you complain before you pray? Man, it's mighty quiet in the Baptist church. Do you complain more than you pray? Here he says that the good news came to them, but it was not united with faith. They would even listen. In verse number 3, for we who have believed entered that rest as He has said, as I swore my wrath, they will not enter my rest. Although His works were finished from the foundation of the world. I know that's a hard text, but let me explain. God swore that these people would not rest in His mercy. He swore by His name. He didn't swear by Mount Everest. He didn't swear by your reputation or anybody else's reputation. He swore by himself because there's nothing greater to swear by than him. He says, I swear you will not rest. And why did these people not enter his rest? Because they wouldn't believe. I'm not talking about a Santa Claus, Tooth Fairy, Easter Bunny belief where we tell fables to each other and twist it to try to make our children believe in some kind of Aesop's fables. I'm talking about proof, evidence that proved there is a God. For the Bible says that the earth is filled with His glory. Have you not opened your eyes lately, literally your eyes, Your eyes are not like any other camera that's been created by mankind. We talk and boast about our latest iPhones and our Android phones and all these special 4K cameras, but they cannot compare to the very eyes seated in your head. Have you not heard with your ears the God who created your eyes and your ears? We worship little idols. And things we believe to be God's little stone idols, little electronic idols. We worship metal idols that have four wheels. or We worship people who are our grandchildren, our spouses, our celebrities. We worship those things. And we become like them. Whatever you worship, you become like. And those idols that are deaf and dumb and cannot speak will create little deaf and dumb and people who cannot speak who... Serve them. All because of unbelief. All because of not trusting God. He swears in their wrath. His wrath. They will not enter His rest. This wrath that He's talking about. See, people have this idea that in hell... The devil sits on a throne. And he's, he's real mean. He's got horns and he's got a, a throne and the skulls all around and fire and his little demons dancing around and laughing and they're having a big old party. But that's not hell at all. For the Bible tells us that the devil is on the earth going around like a, a roaring lion seeking whom he will devour. Hell is a place prepared for the devil and his angels, those that were pulled out of heaven. To work with the Prince of Darkness. And God's wrath is in hell because God's everywhere, right? There's no place that He's not a part of. He's omnipresent, He's everywhere. He's even in your web browser. He's in your text messages. He's even in your heart, as you'll see as we study along. There is no place where God's eye does not see, where His presence is. But the only thing about hell is His grace is not found in hell. His mercy is not found in hell. His wrath and His anger is felt there in hell. But somebody just don't believe me this morning. Somebody doubts. It's been my experience that this place is hell. No, this is not hell. I just can't believe. I doubt what you're saying. I do believe and I do know that there's tares that grow amongst God's crop this morning. There's people here who look like Christians, sound like Christians, but God knows your heart that you do not believe. You do not trust Him. You doubt. You simply deny Him. But there's a place for you. A place of no rest. A place of torment where God's wrath will rain upon you. His indignation His anger will burn against you. You will never rest. You will go on forever. That's so archaic, preacher. That's so old-fashioned. We've evolved since those days when people would preach this way. Oh, we've evolved so much. We're better than we used to be. Oh yeah, we're better, right. Instead of taking our babies after they're born and placing them on an altar to burn them alive. We burn them alive in the mother's womb now. What a solution. We pull them apart in the mother's womb. We're well-educated sinners now. Send our children to college, to professors and liberal universities. We send them to places where God is not exalted and their minds are changed unless they're rooted in the truth of God. Here we see that those who deny Him, He swears they will not enter His wrath. And He said that He finished His work from the foundation of the world. For whenever He rested in Genesis chapter number 2, verse 2, He blessed the Sabbath day and called it holy. He was alluding to a day where people don't have to work anymore to win His favor. The Sabbath day is what we call it. A day of rest. It was just a foreshadowing. Have you ever been relieved and just rest? Some of y'all ain't rested in a long time. Either you're trying to win favor with man or with God through religion and works to please God. But have you ever sighed in relief and know that God is pleased with you? How would He be pleased with me? Is it because I'm at church today? Is it because I'm listening to a podcast or watching my television? Well, how would He possibly be pleased with me? Don't go anywhere and I'll tell you how. He spoke of the seventh day and rested on the seventh day from all His works. In verse 5, He repeats again. And again, in this passage, He said, They shall not enter my rest. God repeats Himself three or four times in these last two chapters that those who do not believe will not rest. There is no rest for the wicked. Sounds familiar. Since therefore it remains, verse number 6, for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Not only did they not believe Him, but they disobeyed Him. Did you know what you believe will affect how you act? If you really believe there is a God, if you really believe there's a standard, and a statute that he calls you to live by. If you believe there is a good shepherd, then it'll be seen in the way you live. Preacher, you say it's faith alone. Nobody can see your faith. Have you not read in the book of James that faith is never alone, that there's faith and then there's works? Because of what you believe, it affects what you do. If you believe that God forgives sinners, then you'll forgive sinners. Woo! What you mean there? What? What you mean preacher? That means you'll forgive people who sin against you. Amen. Uh, don't say that no more. Amen. Don't talk. Don't say that. Amen. We're the forgiving people because we've been forgiven. Amen. We're the merciful people because we've been shown mercy. We're the inclusive people because we've been included into His family, grafted in. We've been adopted into the family of grace. What you believe will affect by what you do. It will affect what you do. If you live like you will live forever, that you won't stand before God on judgment... It will be evident in your lifestyle. The words you say. Yes, you can walk into church and be cleaned up and say the right things at the right time. Be cute up. Speak Christianese. You know I've told you about Christianese. It's like Chinese, but it's Christianese. Glory to God, brother. Praise the Lord. I'm highly flavored. All that Christianese. We can fake that, but you can't fake holiness. You can't fake righteousness and goodness pursuing holiness and being a disciple of Jesus Christ. For those who are faking it, you will not enter his rest. You will not. Because they failed to enter because of disobedience. The disobedience is a byproduct of because they did not believe. In verse number seven, again, he points a certain day. What day? In verse seven, he appoints a certain day. Today. Saying through David, So long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear His voice, today, right now, if you hear what God is speaking to you, today, don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait after Easter until you soil your wild oats. Don't wait. Don't wait till you get home and say, Well, I got to clean out the refrigerator because there's a lot of stuff in there that I shouldn't be drinking. Or I'll wait till after the big party. Or I'll wait till after work tomorrow. I'll wait. He says, Today, if you hear his voice. Right here, this moment is a defining moment for somebody. Today, you hear his voice. Not the voice of the preacher. I know I'm loud. I know I slur my speech and I'm messy. And I'm not refined and I'm not very professional. But look past the preacher. Hear the voice of the Good Shepherd speaking to the wayward sheep. I use this analogy Wednesday night. Y'all remember a couple weeks ago I was sick. I had bronchitis and I couldn't stand before you and preach. I was a good few days. I could not talk at all. I was solid. I couldn't speak. So I talked to Jesus a lot. As I was praying and talking to Jesus, I was also watching the news. And if you remember, about a week or two ago, there was a news blip. That's what I call it. It just comes up a little story. And there was a story in Australia of a sheep they found. This sheep had been wandering in the wilderness for they don't even know how long. They knew it belonged to somebody because it had a tag on its ear. However, that sheep was brought into a a local rescue. But the thing about the sheep is that it was underweight. But it carried a lot of weight. Let me explain. That sheep had a fleece that was overgrown. It was heavy. In fact, it was so heavy that it covered its eyes and it could not see. It was blinded by its own weight. But when they sheared that sheep, took away all that weight, that fleece, it weighed about 75 pounds of wool. It actually almost weighed as much or even more than the actual sheep. Preacher, where are you going with this? See, that sheep didn't have a shepherd to shear all that weight off of it. There's somebody here who's weary and tired. Just weary. And you're looking for rest today of rest. Bring your burdens. Bring your worries and your doubts. Bring all your anxieties. Those things that have blinded you, that are overwhelming you. Don't bring them to the preacher. Don't bring them to the deacons. Don't bring them to the choir director, the piano player. Don't bring them to the pope. Don't bring them to your grandma, your grandpa. Bring them to the Good Shepherd. Bring them to Jesus. When? When do I do this? Today. For Christian, church attender, sinner, you weren't created to carry burdens. You weren't created to carry bullets in the back and hatchets where you've been backstabbed and wounds, You were created to carry the cross and follow Jesus. Lay down your burdens. Lay down your doubts and your worries. Lay down your unbelief. Bring them to Jesus. When? Today if you hear His voice. Do not harden your heart. It's what He says here in verse number 7. Today if you hear His voice. If you have an inclination. If you have an unction. If you have a, a, a touch from the Master. Today bring them to Jesus. Do not harden your hearts. I'll handle it myself. I'll, I'll deal with this. I'm a big boy. I'm a big girl. I put my breeches on. I handle my bed. I pay my mortgage. Don't be a fool. Who strengthens you to have the gunction and the unction to carry your body and your frame to work? Who gives you the breath in your lungs? Who massages your heart? Who causes the neurons and electrons in your brain to fire so you can think? Is it not the Lord? Today, do not harden your heart. Because of the deceitfulness of sin that we read about in Hebrews chapter number 3. Today, don't put it off. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Bring Him your worries. Bring Him your doubts. Bring them to Him and lay them at His feet. Do not harden your hearts. Verse number 8, For if Joshua had given them rest, Going back to the Old Testament, God would have not have spoken of another day later on. The Old Testament, they were trying to reach Canaan land. The land flowing with milk and honey. Where they can finally be at rest. For they were slaves coming out of Egypt. And they longed for a day where they could just rest and be prosperous. Christian, we do the same. For we were once slaves to sin. We were once held captive to the passions of our hearts and our desires. But now, one like Joshua, whose name happened to be Joshua in Hebrew. Jesus is His Hebrew name. Jesus, who is the captain and the author and the finisher of our faith, that we rest in Him. For they look for a land, but we look for a person. We rest and find grace and mercy in Jesus. This is so good to your preacher. He would not have spoken of another day. Verse number 9, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. We've labored. We've tried to impress God with our works. We work our fingers to the bone to please God. That's called religion. I don't know about y'all, but I've been in the graveyard of religion where I tried to please God with my good works. I just do the best I can to make Him happy. And almost like Martin Luther said, he saw God as a taskmaster who beat Him with a scorpion's tail of a whip and beat Him down every time He failed. I don't know about you, but I've been there. Well, I tried to please God with my works. I'll do good for a little while, and then I mess up. And I feel like I got to start all over again. And I just get tired. And I get weary. I got to start all over from point zero. I got to begin again and earn favor with God all over again. Thanking God is wishy washy, that His opinion towards me changes day by day, considering how I act. Those are unbiblical beliefs. For we know that God's immutable. I know everybody's got a remote at home for their TV. It's got a volume control. It's got that mute button in the middle. We think when we hear immutable that it has something to do with our TV remotes, but it don't. Immutable means unchanging. God's opinion of you does not change. Let me say that again because somebody really needs to hear this. God's opinion of you does not change. Was well, that good or bad? That's what I want to know, preacher. Is that good? Because if He don't change and I'm in a bad standing with Him, you might just be basing your salvation on how you feel at the moment. But the facts are the facts. Jesus died for sinners. And you can rest in what Jesus has done for you. Oh, I figured somebody blow the horn after that. and that I can rest on what Jesus has done. On His accomplishments. On His goodness. And on His mercy. I can rest in that. Not on what I've done. Boy, that's good to me. I don't know about y'all, but that's real good to me. That I can rest in the arms of grace. Oh, it's just just real good. I'm having a moment here. Y'all go ahead without me. But it's good to know. I'm saved simply by grace, and grace alone. Ooh, somebody heard me outside. I guess we're still broadcasting. The battery ain't dead in the remote or the microphone. He says there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever enters God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from His. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to tithe. You don't. You just don't. You don't have to come every Sunday or Wednesday. You don't have to read your Bible. You get to. You get to. Have you ever been part of a church where you miss service? They're knocking on your door. Where you being? Where you at? What's the problem? Now that's good to know that you're loved and you cared about. That's good. But to the point where you're almost in a cult, hey now, you mean i got to be there? I'm part of a, a cult or an army? No. This is called grace. <laughs> I don't see why anybody would want to miss church when you hear this. That you're forgiven by grace. And you don't have to read your Bible. You get to, you get to read about the one who's the lover of your soul in spite of you. If you knew everything about me, you wouldn't want to talk to me, be honest. If I knew everything about you, I'd probably run the other way, to be honest too. But the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 why we were yet sinners. Not this good version of you I see now. All cleaned up, haircut, most of us shaved, looking nice, smelling like Old Spice or whatever ladies wear now. Looking good, looking fresh. Not this better version of you that we see now. Or this facade that we're putting on in front of everybody now. But while we were yet sinners. Oh, that's good. Okay, I'm a, that's good to me. Say that again, preacher. While I was still a sinner. While I was still a, an addict. While I still smell like a porta potty at a, a fair. While I, I, I still have issues and track marks. On. While I still was a sinner. Christ died for me. and if he died for me then, and he don't change and he showed me grace then, then he'll show me grace today, even though I messed up yesterday. He' showed me grace this morning. He showed me mercy now because my mind is wandering and the preachers getting boring. He's showing me grace and mercy now. He don't change, and that's good to me. That I can enter in his rest. I can stop from all my works because they won't save me. But you know what? When I hear that, let's be honest, when I hear that I don't have to work and I can stop working, it makes me want to work for them it makes me want to tell people about make much of his name tell people where they can find grace and mercy I want to tell everybody about this wonderful saving in spite of me shepherd who shaves my burdens away who nourishes me carries me when I'm too weak to walk who walks beside me beside the still waters and his rod and his staff they comfort me he walks with me and he talks with me and he claims me as his very own want to tell everybody about this Jesus amen somebody preacher, go ahead keep on get it get it verse 11 let us strive to enter this rest that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience I know it's 1104 but I cannot let you leave without telling you how to strive and get to this grace and this mercy in fact, I won't be able to unpack it like I want, so you'll just have to come back next week and we'll study it again together. But for homework, read this text. He tells us how, because the scripture tells us, faith comes by hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing the word of God. You want your faith to grow? Are you feeding your doubt? I'm just asking. You don't have to answer out loud. Are you? Going to things that pull away your holiness and your righteousness and instills and roots in you things that make you doubt God and really question if he has got His best interest in mind for you. Do you doubt His holiness and His righteousness, His immutability, His omniscience, His omnipotent power? Do you doubt those things? Or are you feasting on things that builds your faith? How do you strive and enter that rest? Verse 12, For the Word of God is a living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of the soul, of the spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. All of a sudden, He starts talking about the Word of God. He tells you to strive and enter into this rest. Do you not remember when Jesus was speaking to His disciples? on the road to Emmaus. I'm sure you have. You've read your Bible. As He's talking to them, their hearts burned as He opened the Scriptures and taught them how the Scriptures were about Him. The Scriptures are about Jesus. Jesus stood before the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious elite. He says you study the Scriptures, but don't you realize the Scriptures are about me? What are you saying, preacher? Make it practical. If you want to strive and enter this rest, to be embraced and wrapped in grace, wrap yourself in the Scriptures. Wrap yourself in God's Word. Wrap yourself in what saith the Lord and be assured and stand surefooted footed on the chief cornerstone that is riding about. No, no, you don't have to. You get to. Y'all remember, we're just coming out of winter and I got a certain blanket at my house that I like to wrap myself up in. And it keeps me warm and it comforts me. And there was a lot of times this winter when it was rainy and cold and my body ached and hurt, and even my heart was heavy and depression crept over me, and I would take that blanket and wrap it around me, and I just felt better. I know that sounds silly, but unless you've been there, you don't understand. But you know something better than that blanket, something that goes beyond something anything that I could find in my medicine cabinet. I'm not saying, don't take your medicine. I'm saying, take your medicine. If you need to talk to a therapist, talk to a therapist. There ain't nothing wrong with any of that. If you need to go to the doctor, go to the doctor. Luke was a physician. He was the doctor of Paul. God likes doctors, y'all. Praise the Lord. But things that go beyond all those things, things that bring comfort in affliction and in valleys and even in pits, on the bed of affliction where you can't even lift your head, you can wrap yourself in grace and know that God is faithful. In spite of me, in spite of my circumstance, my happenstance, where I am in life, what I did today or yesterday, He's faithful to me. And you only find that in His Word. By the systematically studying of God's Word here on Sundays and Wednesdays, it should also springboard you at home in profit to read God's Word in the same way. You should handle it the same way. Read it in chunks together where it makes sense. You can't live by those little verses of my daily bread. That's not enough. Cheerios ain't going to sustain a grown adult to live once a day eating a snack to carry out whatever the tasks that are laying before them that day. You need to feast on God's Word. You need to inhale God's Word. But I'll finish with this. The first sermon I preached here was at a revival one night. And I preached on Jesus in the Gospel as He's helping a a man with a child who had a demon in him. The child would throw himself into the fire and try to destroy the child. Even throw himself into water and try to drown the child. Jesus looked at the daddy of that child and said, only believe. Just believe. And the daddy answered, just like I would and just like you would. Jesus, I believe. I really do. Just help my unbelief. We have doubts and we have struggles. But Jesus ain't like some mafia boss who says, don't come to me with any doubts. Don't come to me if you doubt me whatsoever. He says, bring your doubts. Bring your worries. Let Him prove Himself to you. Whatever burdens you bring today, bring them to Jesus. His arms are not too weary or weak to hold your situation. For so we believe He's a down-to-earth deity. Down-to-earth deity. That means He's a God in the flesh. He is the God-man, the mediator between man and God. where we put our hope and our strength upon. His performance, not ours. We rest in what He has accomplished on our accounts. And that causes us to fall in love with this wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Jesus Christ. Let us bow our heads and pray.